church. That's right. Uh, I didn't know that the church is female. You know, I didn't realize that, you know, until a couple months into my Christianity, I was like, oh, the church is a female. I didn't realize that. And they say, yeah, Jesus is the bridegroom, right? And the church is the bride. And they showed me a passage in Revelation about how uh, the bride will be beautifully dressed, right? For the new heaven and new earth. And uh, that's a really cool thought. Uh, I loved my wedding day. And, uh, you know, Danielle came down the aisle. I, I had to bend my knees, you know, and make sure that I didn't faint. Someone in my party did faint, though. Um, right after we got married, he just fainted. And someone caught him. Uh, the sister was in the back. Brother man fainted. And the girl was like, get off of me. And, and then, you know, because you, know, you just react. And she, he started falling, falling forward. And um, somebody caught him, praise God. He was 6'2". So we were grateful he didn't fall upon my grandmother. Um, but it was awesome uh, to just, you know, whenever you see a wedding, the, the, the bride, everyone stands up and, and it's so beautiful, you know, a, a wedding. And, and that's who the church is. And you are the church. You are that beautifully dressed bride. Brothers are like, what are you talking about? I'm not a bride. Figuratively speaking, spiritually speaking, I, I think we can all go there. Amen. But um, today we're going to talk about rising up and making her great. And this, this comes from a lyric from Rise Up, O Men of God. I don't know if you remember this song. And uh, it's, it's a great song. It's one of the most powerful songs that I've heard uh, that brothers sing, you know, because everybody gets their deep voice going on. And, you know, hearing it with brothers, singing it together, it's powerful. You know, because it's like, rise up, O man of God. You know, you guys are like into it, you know, and, and it's like a very powerful song for bros to sing. There's not a lot of harmony. There's not a lot of changes in it. You can just sing it. It's like an army cry. Most dudes can sing that song. Uh, but, but they're powerful lyrics, and I don't think it's just for the men, amen? And I don't think the original song was just for men. Uh, obviously, we, we live in a different culture now, but in the 1900s, when it says men of God, it's also including the women, amen? amen? And we need the women to rise up, not just the men, but we also need the men to rise up yeah. because there is a sense that, oh, you know, church is for, for, for mom. And, and uh, you, know, sp- you know, people have said to me before that, you know, women are more spiritual than men. And that upsets me. Because I'm like, you know, I think there's a lot of spiritual women, and I don't think we can even say that men are more spiritual than women. I don't think that's necessary for every person is spiritual according to their connection with God. Amen? But uh, I do have to say that God didn't think that way. You know, David was a man after his own heart. And we have to realize that as bros, we have to rise up as well. Amen. Sometimes we can, you know, feel like, oh, well, you know, that they're just, they're just, I don't have as much time as some of the women do in the church. And that's not true either. Uh, especially in this world, we're all, we're all pretty busy. Um, but let's get into the word right now. We're going to think about these lyrics here. Uh, we can start in uh, Matthew 22. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through this. Um, oh, boy. Let me see. Okay. Come on now. Give me some love. Why can't I do this? This is like last time. I couldn't do this. Is the thing plugged in? 
Maybe if she touches it with her Holy Spirit power, it'll work. All right, let's try this again. It was working today. All right. Try this again. Huh. All right, well, let's go to Matthew 22. We don't need it necessarily, but it'd be nice to have it. All right, try it again. I'm going to give this to Lauren, and she's going to work it. And then I'm going, it's going to be all better. All right, she'll click it and click it and bring it over to me. But um, rise up, O men of God. Now, this is the, the lyrics of it. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the king of kings. It's an awesome, awesome lyric. Uh, go to the next slide. Rise up, O men of God. The kingdom tarries long. No one uses that word tarries anymore, right? The kingdom tarries long. Bring in the day of brotherhood and end the night of wrong. Next slide. Rise up, O men of God. The church for you doth wait. Her strength unequal to her task. Rise up and make her great. great. Make her great. Next slide. Lift high the cross of Christ, tread where his feet have trod. As brothers of the Son of Man, rise up, O men of God. That's a fired up song. We might sing it at the end. You know, as, as, as we'll all sing it together. Um, but what does it mean to rise up? We've been talking collectively. We went through Haggai chapter 1 and 2. And, and we, we talked about what does it mean collectively to uh, you know, give careful thought to our ways, to seek the kingdom first, to make the church great. Now we're going to talk a little bit about what we can do individually um, because we are individuals, right? We all, we can, I can't control Kendra's decisions. She can't control mine. I can, I can rise up and make her great. That's what I can control, amen? And so each of us have to make that decision that according to God, I'm going to rise up and make her what? Great. Great. You know, we shouldn't stop rising up until we make the church great. And I have to say, the church has become greater and greater every year. We've seen more and more people come to Christ. We've seen more and more people uh, more maturing in Christ. And it's awesome. You know, starting with nine people. Uh, and then God just doing this. This is awesome. We're, we're able to see God work. And it's because of people like the Barabies rising up. Amen. And, you know... Uh, people like Jen Murphy rising up and getting to church early so she can be an usher. Amen. You'll always see Jen on that couch with that Dunkin' Donuts coffee always before you. She'll always be before you. If you're here before Jen, you got here real early. Um, but what does that mean to rise up and make her great? I'm going to ask um, Lauren to rise up and make my sermon great. Does the clicker work? <laughs> Bring it over here. Come over here, Lauren. Bring it over here. Give it up for Lauren. She does the slideshow. She's rising up, making her great. Let's try it. You click. It. You want to see click? Plus the proof it Okay. Let's see, I gotta point it. I gotta point it. 
I gotta point it. I gotta be over here then. She's got another clicker in her in her pocket. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is interesting, guys. This is like this, this is interesting. Alright. You can do it, Glenn. Well, I'm just gonna have her turn next slide. We're gonna figure this out, guys. Um well, let's go to Matthew 22, guys. This is why Danielle says to me, don't even do a slideshow. She's, she's got to be, I got to be a simple man. When we get into the book of Romans, I'm not going to need the slideshow. It's going to be great. We're going to be doing that. It's going to be awesome. Matthew 22. Um, and, oh, here we go. All right, why don't we do this? We're going to, I'm going to say, go back two. How's that? Two. Go back to. There it is. Love God. First point is to love God. That's how you can make her great. Three things you can make her great. First one is love God. Second one is be a disciple maker. And third one is give your best to God. Those are the three things. In many ways, this first point, if you do this, you're going to make her great. Because God cares about his church. And if you love God, with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, you're going to make her great. Amen? Amen. Matthew 22, let's jump in. And um, let's look at Jesus says is the greatest commandment. Verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What does that mean? What does that even mean? I mean, that's, that's a lot of love right there, right? And yet God deserves our love. Doesn't he deserve our love? He gave, that all, he gave it all to us. Right. He gave it all to us. And the best way you can make her great, rising up, is to love God. How is your love for God? What does that mean? That's really an interesting thing. A lot of people say, I love God. Do you love God? Most people will be like, they won't say no. Some people say, I don't know him. A lot of people think, yes, I love God. But what does the Bible say it means to love God? Well, the first thing is you have to seek his face. Let's go to Psalm 105. We'll go to the next slide there. Psalm 105. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the king of kings. Psalm 105, verse 4. It says in verse 4, Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. You know, what does it mean to seek His face always? Charlie was talking about this. You know, just being someone who spends time with God. You know, one of the most amazing ways you can show love to someone is spending time with them. You know, you don't have to be Superman or be super spiritual. You just have to say, Father, (laughs) I'm here. You just have to crack open this book 
and read his word and listen to him and hear him. Put worship music on and think about God. Seek his face. So many people don't seek God's face. They'll, they'll get on the phone. They'll, put, they'll post something on Facebook. They'll, they'll blow up their Instagram, but they will not seek the face of God. And one of the ways that, that I show love to Danielle is when I spend time with her. That's her love language, quality time. And when I don't spend time with her, she doesn't feel as loved as, as other things. And it's so important that I believe that is a love language of God is when we spend time with him. Now, we get more out of it than I think he does. But he gets a lot out of it to spend time with us. How do we do this? Reading God's word and listening to his word. It's amazing things just to, to sit. Have you ever just read the Bible and you just kind of stopped reading it and you just were blown away by what you read in God's word? This happens to me a lot. And people that don't love God's word don't love God. That's a pretty intense thing to say, but it's true. People that think that God's word is boring don't know God's word enough because it's so not boring. I just read the other day about a man who took a spear and put it through two people in the tent. His name was Phineas. And you go, whoa, that's... The, the Bibles definitely are rated sometimes. <laughs> Song of songs. You want to get uncomfortable? Read that publicly. <laughs> Song of songs. God's a, a romantic person, you know. He's romantic in, in many ways. And he also loves us deeply. He wants to spend time with us. You know, an elder asked his wife every week this question. This is free to the married people out there, the husbands. Do you feel loved this week? And the wife will answer, honestly, yes, I do. Or no, I don't. Or I kind of did. But then you were really a jerk at the end of the week to me. <laughs> you know, um... Sometimes Daniel will say, I don't feel loved. And that's like, that's so hard. Like, oh, man. You know, what are you supposed to say back to that? You can't be defensive. It's like, well, you should feel loved. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't say anything back. Because, but, but you know what? Asking that question of God, do you feel loved? Wow. Do you feel loved by me? Because it's not just about being a Christian it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Right. And, and, and I want to grow in my love for God. And, and God feels loved. It's not something, what we do matters to God. Right. Uh, let's go to the next slide. John 14. We're going to go through this. Really what it means to love God. To seek his face, to obey him, to prioritize him. And I love this last one, to go beyond what's expected. So we're going to look in our Bibles. Old school. Let's go to John 14. Amen. John 14. <clears throat> you know, I think this has been interesting for me when I, when I said, what does it mean to love God? Well, it means to obey him. Which I think is not what the Christian world speaks about as far as what it means to love God. Right. But in many ways, if my wife has a wish... I'm going to obey it as much as I can. Right. You know, this is hilarious. I mean, this is really funny. This is a great analogy. Danielle starts getting crazy when the house is messy. 
<laughs> you see it on her, you know? And I love that because my house stays clean. <laughs> my threshold of cleanliness is definitely not where hers is. Mine's definitely here. Sometimes I could go in the house literally and I think, wow, wow, what a beautiful house. It's so clean. Next <laughs> sentence I hear. This house is filthy. We need to get to work and clean it. And, and I'm like, wow, we have different standards. Well, God has different standards than us. And just because we think, oh, wow, my life is so clean. And I'm really doing great. When we look in God's word, we see a different standard. A better standard. You know, when I clean the house and Danielle, she's so happy. You know, it's like vacuuming. I'm like, she's really, look at her, you know. And she's like, ah, it's clean again. You know, the blood of Jesus is what continually washes us. But we have to be a part of that sanctification as well. And in verse 23 of, 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 of John 14, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we'll come to make it our home with them. That sounds pretty awesome. I want God to make his home with me. How do I do that? By obeying every word he says. I don't want to just obey some of the words, but every word he says. You know, there are some hard teachings in the Bible. Do not have sex before marriage. I remember studying that out when I was studying the Bible. 18-year-old, I was like, wow. Do not lust. It's the same as adultery. Whoa. Whoa. New standard. God says, you know, if someone slaps you in the cheek, don't strike them back. That's just what I already cocked back. You know what I mean? I'm already ready to fight. You know, the Bible says love your enemies. The Bible says that, that go the extra mile for someone, right? right? The Bible says deny yourself. I mean, these are hard teachings, but in many ways, we can't say we love God if we're not willing to obey his command. And I believe in this world we live in with Christianity all over the place, and it's awesome. God's word is being preached. Jesus is being preached, but obedience is not being preached. You can't say you love God if you don't, are not striving to obey. Now, sometimes I'm striving to obey, and I still mess it up. You know, or, you know, I'll make the bed for Danielle. I made the bed. And sometimes she's like, thanks, and she doesn't say anything. Other times she's like, you know... Maybe we can go over here and work this a little bit, you know, and tuck this in a little bit and do this and, you know, do this. And she'll be like, then she'll basically make the bed again. And I'm like, I just made the bed. But sometimes we need help with our obedience, don't we? Everyone's thinking, Danielle, she's not a neat freak. She's not that way. But she, she, she has a standard. And so does God. And I believe... I'm, I'm just learning how to do the, the, the right, kind of under, under the thing, the crease thing, that whole thing. I'm ready to uh, change hotel rooms. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. But loving God, obeying him is a huge thing. You know, people like the king, this wicked king in the Old Testament, like to cut out parts of the Bible. There was a king in the Bible who had a little scribe's knife. And he was reading through the book of the law. He's like, I don't like that. Cut it out, threw it in the fire. I don't like that. Cut it out, threw it in the fire. Just because we don't look at it, just because we don't see it, doesn't mean God 
that, it, that, it, that it's gone. We need to obey every word because it gives us freedom. God doesn't say obey me so your life can be harder. He says obey me so my life can be easier. You know, if you're a single guy and you're like, how am I going to do this? Be pure. If I'm a, you're a single woman, how am I going to do this? Ask me how I felt when I was in Hawaii with my wife on my honeymoon. I remember waking up and saying, wow, God Thank you for your commands. They are true and right. Amen. Sometimes you don't know until after you obey what God says. Right. Denying myself. Man, sometimes I'm denying myself. I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. And then I do it, and I feel so amazing. And I feel like I've been given to more than I gave. And yet, that's God's command. Obeying him is how you love him. Prioritizing him. We looked at the scripture, Matthew 6. 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We looked at that today. You know that scripture. We sang about that today. You know, when my wife feels like she's a priority, she feels loved. You feel loved when you feel like a priority, don't you? And, you know, when I put God first in my time, by coming and making his church great on, on, you know, like Lyandon, you know, Lyandon, when she was talking about while she was driving in the cold with a crying baby and being sick, she was showing love for God. Amen. She was showing great love for God. She's prioritizing him. This is my favorite scripture about surprising God. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Um, verse 1. After the king was settled in his palace, this is David, 2 Samuel 7, and the Lord gave him rest from all his enemies around him. He said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar, while the ark of the God remains in the tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David this. This is what the Lord says. Are you the one? To build me a house to dwell in? I've not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rules, any of the rules whom I commanded to shepherd my people, why have I not, have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture. From tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you've gone and I have cut off your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. You know, I don't know the tone that God, sometimes I'd like to know the tone of God to the prophet Nathan. Because is it like, I don't, many people think it's like, you know, Obviously, God doesn't live in a tent. He lives everywhere. He doesn't need a tent. He doesn't need a temple. You know, we're his temple now. But back in the day, they had, they had the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies. And that's where God met his people. It was a special, special place. And God was building, living in this, I mean, David was living in his palace. And he looked down. And he saw the tent. He's like, what? I'm living in a palace. God lives in a tent? That's something wrong with that. I want to build him a massive temple. Because he deserves, his house needs to be bigger than my house, basically. Because yeah. he's greater. Yeah. 
This was not something that God commanded. It was something that's going beyond what's expected. And that's a special thing. When you go beyond what's expected and you surprise God. Now, you can't really surprise God. But maybe you surprise yourself by surprising God. And I want to encourage you to go beyond what's expected for God. Because that fires up God so much. You know, anytime, it's amazing, anytime you go all beyond what's expected, God blesses you more than you bless Him. You know, I wonder if it was like, you're building me a tent? Build me a temple? Really? You'd do that for me? I, I didn't ask you guys to do that. You know, if it was that kind of tone. I think God was touched and moved by this. I think God was, was tremendously moved by this and David's heart to go beyond what was required. You know, Barnabas just gave a field up for the kingdom. He, he took a field, he sold it, and he placed it at the apostles' feet. Generosity like that. Amazing generosity like that. There was a brother who, uh, his name was Andy Fleming, and he had dreams of being a missionary. No one told him he had to go to Papua New Guinea. He's a Canadian, by the way. And he's like, I want to go to Papua New Guinea because those short people need God's word as well. And he learned the language and he moved there. And it didn't go well. <laughs> In the sense, it didn't go well. It wasn't the most vibrant ministry he's ever led. But the heart he had to do something that was unexpected like that. A Canadian guy going to Papua New Guinea. That's a funny movie right there. You can see a lot of funny things happening, you know. Um, this big white Canadian giant has come, you know. I mean, what, what's going on in that land? But, you know, he also went to Russia. And we know Andy. Some of us know Andy. He, he saw tens and tens of thousands of people in that the forest union brought to Christ because he had the heart to do what was beyond what was expected and he in my mind is one of the greatest missionaries that's ever lived because of what he did in Russia because of his heart and he's still on the mission field because he's doing what's not expected you know I love the, the, the thought what would Jesus do right you love that right but how about what would Jesus feel by my actions? I'm going to make new bracelets. Let's do it. What, WWJF. What would Jesus feel? I don't think about what God feels about my decisions. You know, I think maybe what he thinks, but I don't think about what he feels. I want him to be smiling about my life. I want him to be saying, you are well favored. I am, I am pleased with you, my son. Amen. You know, when you ever have a kid do something, you're so excited. It, it moves you. You know, the little, I, I, I got this, um, I still have it. It's like a, it's got a little picture of my son and it has different pieces of a puzzle. And it says, I love you to pieces. <laughs> so awesome. And I still have it. And I'll never throw it out. Because it's awesome. I love you to pieces. 
and it's got a little face, little, little one of my son's face. It's awesome, you know. And and I, and I think that's how God thinks. We do these things, and it lights them up in a big way. Amen. Amen. I, I think I wanted to stress this in a big way that that how we make our great is just by loving God in a greater way. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Matthew twenty-eight. See if this clearly works. Oh, yeah. So what I'll do is, when I do this, she'll do that. <laughs> so it looks like I'm doing it, but I'm not, guys. That was definitely my longest point, because I think if we don't have love for God, we can't make the church great. You know, and you know, God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son. I have three sons. Giving up one of them for people that don't know me so that they might possibly come to God seems just absolutely zany and crazy and careless and reckless. But yet, God did that for you. You never not respond, but God did it for you. The second thing we can be is be a disciple maker. You know, there's one thing to be a Christian. It's another to be a disciple. What's a disciple? It's someone who follows Jesus. It's a disciplined follower of Jesus, someone who actually follows Jesus. And if we read our Bibles in Acts 11, it says the, the, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And so in many ways, if you're not a disciple, you're not a Christian, which is a blowaway thing to this world, right? If you're not following Jesus the way he says, how can you call yourself a Christian? Because that's the very definition of it. So the first thing we need to do is be a disciple before we can be a disciple maker. Amen? Amen. So if you're studying the Bible, or if you're learning about this, the first thing I want to encourage you is become a disciple. Because you can't, become, you can't teach something you're not. It's hard to do that, right? If I was trying to teach you, you know, Mario, how to be a black belt. You guys know Mario? Is that true, bro? He's a black belt. Come on, Mario. Give it up for him. He knows about discipline. What, what, what uh, art is it? Taekwondo. So he can get you in the face with his... Ah, get you right in the face. He's too nice though to do that, right? While he's hip-hop rapping at you, he kick you in the face. But, you know, you, I can't go and say, hey, I'm going to teach you all how to be a black belt if I'm not a black belt. You know, it's, it's kind of a crazy thing. You know, if someone came in and, you know, hello, hi, you know, I'm doing this and I'm going through the motions... They're going to know real quick. Mario's going to know real quick. Like the first second. He doesn't have a black. What's up with the, he's got no belt. Where's he about, oh, you know, I left it at home, man. You know, or, you know, I got one here. I pull out just a regular black belt. I just put it around my, yeah, there it is. I got it. I'm ready to go. Well, what about, show me a cotter. And I'm like, what's that? Show me this. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Let's spar. No, let's not do that. <laughs> But we have to become a disciple, and I want to encourage you to, to get in the Bible with someone and learn what a disciple is, because the only people God's taking back are disciples. People that go to church, you know, that's, that's just a building to God, honestly. Do you know that God views people from if they have the Holy Spirit in them or not? He's not viewing people from, are you, how religious are you? He's viewing people from that perspective. It's one of the most amazing things to be a disciple maker. And we could talk about this for a little while, but we won't. Matthew 28, though, talks about 
Jesus' command, how do we make a disciple? Well, we got to get in the Word, and we have to show people Jesus' teachings, and then call them to it. Amen? Amen? Someone said, are you really giving up your life? I'm like, oh, man, that's crazy. Jesus said, you have to give up everything to follow me. Wow, okay. You know, learning about seeking the kingdom first, learning about the words in red, right? And, and saying, someone said, now do it. It was pretty easy, actually. They read the Bible, and they said, now, are you ready to do this? And I was like, oh, wait, what do you mean, do it? You mean, we're not just going to read it? No, we're going to do it. Oh, okay. That's one easy way to learn how to be a disciple maker. But in verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You can't be born to be a disciple. Amen? The Bible says you have to be made into it. You don't just go, I'm a disciple. You have to be made. You have to be trained. You have to be talked to. You have to be spoken to. No church class is going to make a disciple. You have to go mano y mano and say, what's going on in your life? This is what was going on in my life. This is how I overcame sin. This is what I chose to do. Are you ready to choose that? You know, the song says, Rise up, O men of God. His kingdom tarries long. Bring in the day of brotherhood and end the night of wrong. A lot of us, we don't like what we see in this world. You turn on the news, it's discouraging. Do you want to change that? Then be a disciple maker. No social activist thing is going to do it. I appreciate all the social activism out there. I appreciate all the things we're doing to to love people and show non-judgment and give this world a better perspective. I mean, it's all great, but it's not going to change the world That's right. the way being a disciple and making disciples yeah. change the world. That's right. Because Jesus changed the world. Yes, and the only way you can change the world is if you do what he did. He did it in three years. And it's still happening. And the way he did it was by making disciples. So I want to encourage you to be a disciple maker. What does that mean? Well, what does that mean? It means a lot of things. First, it means you have to know God's word. Because without the word, you can't make a disciple. You know, you can, there's no other way than know God's word. And what I'm really excited about is on our app, we're going to put all the Bible studies on the app. We're going to put tools and resources so that we can all on a, you know, you have someone in, that wants to study the Bible, you can get on your app and you can go through the Bible studies that we have, just you and him over some coffee, or you and her over some coffee and do the Bible studies. Amen. And we're going to have training videos as well that are, that are given to you. And I want to encourage you, if you're not in a Bible study right now, go find one. How do you do that? How do you do that? It's a great question. I'm going to try to click. It doesn't work, though. I'm gonna try, next slide. Next slide. Next slide. All right. There we go. Next slide. One more. Here we go. I'm doing great, aren't I? With this? <laughs> this is like really. Hello. Telegram. 
What is this? Morse code? No. Um, we got to get back in the day. Morse code. Um, but we're going to talk more about this, but, but I do want to share that um, being a disciple maker means always be praying for the harvest. What do you pray about? A lot of times I, when I'm not in a great place, I'm just praying about myself. I'm not praying about other people. And what I'd like to encourage you to do is first to ask God to open your eyes to see the harvest. You know, in John 4, what happened was, it was a great story. The Samaritan woman was being invited to come and, and know Jesus. Amen? And if you think about a Samaritan woman, there's a lot of obstacles. She's a Samaritan. She's a woman. And she lives in Samaria. These are all bad obstacles if you're back in Jesus' time. And essentially, what we find is Jesus didn't care about those obstacles because he had eyes that were open. Amen? Amen. And we need to be open to seeing what God's going to do. Um, we got to first God open our eyes. You know, Elijah thought he was the only one, and God said, there's 7,000 people that haven't bailed down to Baal yet. I got 7,000. What if God showed you all the people in your workplace that were open? Those little, like, lights on their heads. Wouldn't that be crazy? Wouldn't that be convicting? You know, we need to open our eyes and be sensitive to it. And we have to ask God, open our eyes yeah. to seeing it. Yeah. Then we need to be asking them and inviting them. And what I do sometimes is I'll pray, God, put people on my heart right now while I'm praying. Put names on my heart. And I dare say, obviously we should share with new people all the time, at the grocery store, at the basketball court, all that stuff is great. But if we just... The relationships we have right now, yeah. if we had open eyes, there'd be no, no room in this building for us to meet. Right. And even the Hannaford Senate would not have room. If we just took advantage of the relationships we already have. But I just want to have, I have a confession, church, to tell you. My eyes sometimes are not open to it. My spiritual eyes don't see. I'm blind to see. Oh, that person, he's not open. I judge people sometimes. You judge people sometimes. Or sometimes we're just not even aware of this. You know, how did Jesus see the crowds? He says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues. He went through all the towns and all the villages. He took every relationship he had and he wanted to go through all of them and make sure that his eyes were open. Amen? Amen. And he taught and he preached and he healed. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's never the harvest. Do you realize that? You have enough relationships to make disciples for the rest of your life right now. If we just ask them, if we just got in their life, if we just talked to them, and so what I, I want to ask you guys to do is just to pray. And I'm actually going to hand out a worksheet that you guys can go through in your quiet time. You know you, you, I love to do worksheets. Because we don't just listen to the word, amen, we want to put it into our life. Because you know what, I don't want to waste your time. Right? You don't like your time wasted. What was the sermon about last week? That's the most convicting question. Ask him on Wednesday. What was the sermon about? If you're like... 
You got the Jeopardy thing, Final Jeopardy, you're like. God. I want you to know. I want you to know what the sermon was about. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask my uh, talk show host, my, my other person, Vanna Murphy, to hand out the, um, these sheets with her great ushers. Um, I'm being a little crazy today. Sorry, guys. You're like, I'm used to it. All right. Always be asking. Always be inviting. Always be studying with someone. If you're not studying the Bible with someone, you can't be a disciple maker. Right? And you could say, well, nobody asked me to be in the Bible studies. I'm here. I'm here. Nobody asked me. Well, that's where we have to initiate and ask, hey, how can I be in this Bible study with you? Do you have anyone studying the Bible? Is there anyone we can study with? You know, I want to encourage you. That's how you can make her great, by being in a Bible study with someone else, by studying the Bible with someone, asking these two questions. Would you like to come to church? Would you like to come to midweek? Would you like to come to family group? Um, no, I don't go to church. Well, do you believe in God? Yes, I do. I'm sick of religion. Well, I'm sick of it too. Why don't we just not be religious and go to a coffee shop and look in the Bible? No church, no nothing, but just see the Bible. Well, I don't believe the Bible. Why don't you believe the Bible? Getting into these kind of conversations. And obviously if someone says, I don't want to talk about this, then you just have to let them go. But lots of people do want to talk about this. Can I uh, have this, honey, real quick? So, I honestly think that I've said enough today. Amen? Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. Um, I think that I, I wanted to give this to you so that you can have a quiet time this week. And I want to, please, please, do this this week. I want to encourage you to do this this week. To look through this and ask, how can I grow in seeking my, in God's face? How can I grow in loving obedience of him? How can I grow to make his kingdom and his king the great priority? How can I go and beyond what's expected and surprise God? That's a fun question. That's a fun question, isn't it? Amen. Surprise God. You know, does, does Carl have to do the ball of the beautiful? No. No one made him do it. But that he just surprised us. He surprised God by doing that. You know, it's amazing. There's a lot, you've already been doing this, church. Amen? Let's just be thinking about that. Pray for open eyes on the disciple maker. But then write down friends that God's put on your heart. You know how many times people become Christians because I just thought about them? It's super convicting. I'm like, oh, yeah, that person. And then I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? Dude. You don't believe the week I had. Can I come to church with you? You're like, what? You know, amazing how God puts the exact people in your head. If you ask God to open your eyes and show you the people that he wants to lead you, God literally put lights on their head for me. Let me see it. Have a big finger going, this guy, this girl. And obviously, if you see that, let me know how to do that. I would love that. But figuratively speaking, a lot of times that will happen. Yeah. You know, it was, I'm a hard to invite, us to invite Janet. 
And I was like, I don't know how that's going to happen. It's a little weird. She's my, you know, nursery, uh, you know, daycare kind of teacher. It might get weird after this, but hey, would you like to come to the crazy love thing? You know, I said it as, as bold as I could. And she was like, yes. Mm. Amen. See, the thing is, a lot of times that's happening. God's working in their lives, and it's just connecting the Holy Spirit. It's his work, amen? amen? I want you to encourage you to just pray. Have that session with God. If you didn't do anything else, that might be the only thing I want you to do. But you can keep going. Do beyond what's expected. Just go through this and think about this. Think about some of these questions. They're super convicting, but this is how you rise up and make her great. Um, The last point I didn't even get into is just giving your best to God and just thinking about how you can give your best to God. This scripture in the last section, Job 14, 5, was truly convicting to me. It says that your days are numbered by God, that my time isn't even God's. I mean, it's not even mine, it's God's. That, That essentially... I have a certain amount of time on this earth. That's kind of crazy to think about. (laughs) Hopefully it's, you know, 80 years, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we all have a thought, you know, 90. I'd love to live to 100, be on today's show. You know, today's show, Smucker. You know what I mean? I'm going to do this if I get on the today's show. You know what I mean? They'll be like, what is that old guy doing? What does this even mean? No, but it's it's interesting. We all have a day and a time in in a minute, in a second. And it's all in God's time. So how do we use our time the best? How do we use our money and generosity for the best? And how do we use our talents for the best? Amen? Let's have a prayer and let's rise up and make her great. Let's have conversations. This is great in our family groups to talk about. What did you get out of this, this exercise? What a great conversation that would be. Amen? For the next family groups we're in. Let's pray. Great God in heaven. Um, God, I'm thankful sometimes for the awkwardness of my preaching and even how the clicker didn't work and how uh, Lauren, it worked for Lauren, but didn't work for me. And, and even this is a disjointed sermon and it's not polished <laughs> and it's not even sometimes well presented the best. But God, I know that your word is going to work through imperfect vessels like me. And God, I just pray that, Lord, we could rise up and make your church great. Lord, that, that our actions and our decisions and our love for you matters in a huge way in this generation, God. Lord, even now there's people all over the state that need you, God. And decisions we make today are going to determine whether we reach them or not. Decisions we make about loving you, Lord, is going to put a smile on your face and even shock the angels, Lord. God, I want Michael to go, for real? Wow. That happened? Glenn did that? I want Gabriel to to gasp at my love for you, Lord. God, I want you to smile and feel loved. I pray so much that we could be disciple makers, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to not just think about ourselves all day long, Lord, but God, to think about others that need you. 
For it's more blessed to give than to receive, Lord. And God, we know that the disciple maker is happier than the one that's not. We know, God, there's nothing better in this earth than helping someone else know Jesus. The best baptism was mine. But then other people's baptisms is pretty awesome as well. And yet, God, we pray that you'd stir the waters, that you'd stir people's hearts even in this room, that you'd get us on our knees. And we pray as a collective group, open our eyes, Lord, to the relationships we have now. Put people on our hearts that we'll ask this week to study the Bible, to, to come to church, to know you. Lord, we know that, God, we literally are asking people if they want eternal life. God, that, that it's not a waste of time. And it's not a wasted prayer. God, we pray we can give you our best. Because, Lord, you deserve it. God, help us be like Abel that brings an offering to you and it's pleasing in your sight. God, we don't want to give you the scraps. We want to give you the best. Uh, We pray so much that you would use our talents and multiply them among us, Lord. That, God, we could use all our talents. Our best would be for the kingdom. Because this world doesn't deserve our talents as much as you do, Lord. And so, God, we pray that we can learn how to do that. Even though we lack time sums, even though we lack resources, even though we lack some things, we pray, God, that you'd move our hearts. God, help us to rise up and make her great. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, guys.